Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. On the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. WWSR Ren and also presented to you by Belly Up Sports. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We are going to talk about the Thursday night game from last night, the blowout that it was. We're going to talk about the late window of games in week nine, all the late afternoon games, the Sunday night game, the Monday night game that we have coming up for the week. Of course, we have the injury updates for you from the games that we talked about in yesterday's show, which you can always go back on your favorite streaming app or on WWSRN on iOS or the Worldwide Sports Radio Network on Android. And go ahead and check that out and watch that on our social media at BellyUpMDFFShow2. Keeping you up to date with all the player news update notifications there. We have so much to talk about in today's game. Once again, I want to thank all of you out there for joining us and prying yourselves away from all of the election news, and we're happy to be here to provide you some content to give all of our brains a break, because I think everybody, no matter what side you're on, needs a little bit of a break right now. So we're going to be talking about all fun things fantasy football and hopefully be able to get you guys a win this week, because we are in the thick of playoff races with only five games left in the regular seasons for most of you out there, because most of them are going to uh, week 13. So it's tight. It's knit. It's It's time. It's pretty much if you're sitting there at a game less than 500 or at 500, you have to make your run here and now. Otherwise, we're not going to be in there. And if you're part of MD Nation, we're going to help you every step of the way. So let's talk about that Thursday night game. And then we'll take in some injury updates uh, later on because we do have some stuff coming through our desk now. So I want to make sure you guys are up to date when we go into that segment. That game last night was about what you expected it to be. I don't know anybody who would have expected a close game when you have the San Francisco 49ers with pretty much nobody left on the roster. Now, some things didn't go to our expectations, a la Jordan Reed, a la Robert Tanya, and are not going to finish in the top 10 after those performances after being hardly involved on either side. 
Injury-wise, from a fantasy standpoint, at least, there weren't any new injuries to talk about. The big thing would probably be that, you know, as soon as a couple hours after we got done with the show, all of a sudden it came out that Aaron Jones was, in fact, going to play, was, in fact, going to be active. They decided to do a 180 when it came to what they felt about Aaron Jones and his ability. Now, let's not be mistaken. If Jamal Williams or A.J. Dillon were available in this game, I think there's a pretty good chance that Aaron Jones would have probably sat out one more week. This was a matter of they didn't really want to go into the game having to lean on just Tyler Irvin and Dexter Williams. That was really the big thing that we take away from here. He didn't have his full, full workload, but he looked good. He looked healthy. He still got 15 carries for 58 yards. He still tacked on five catches for 21 yards. So he still gave you a decent floor day. And if you had Aaron Jones and you found out he was going to be active, well, you were going to play him. And it's not a terrible day, especially considering it was a game in which he was not supposed to get a full workload. He still gets 20 touches. 20 touches, and really, his snap counts, we're going to go back and look at those, it wasn't a full workload as far as the snap count goes. I mean, when he was out there on the field, they had no trepidation in handing him the football and giving him the football and getting him back involved in this offense. So they were pretty confident that he was going to be healthy, and like I said, he looked good. So the most important thing when it comes to Aaron Jones is the fact that he's going to be good to go, I think, from here on out, barring any more injuries. So you're going to have your Aaron Jones, you're going to have your top five running back on the year back in your lineups, I believe, moving forward with confidence. Aaron Rodgers was, well, was Aaron Rodgers. I mean, we expected at least a good game out of Rodgers. He actually threw the ball less than I was expecting him to, but they put this game well out of reach earlier on than I was necessarily expecting him to do so either. Aaron Rodgers goes for 305 yards, four touchdowns in this game off of just 31 attempts. 49ers defense looked like they couldn't get any pressure. They looked like they couldn't cover Devontae Adams, who went 10 catches, 173 yards, a touchdown on 12 targets. They talked about that they were going to double Devontae Adams. If you did, you did a horrible job. And I watched that game. They didn't. They tried to play their their basic coverage against Devontae Adams, which is stupid. Because you can't do it. You can't leave this man one-on-one. You you have to have him double covered. And when you're playing the Green Bay Packers, especially without Alan Lazard, I don't know why defenses would be afraid to double cover Devontae Adams. You know where the ball's going. Now, Marcus Valdez-Scantling did come away with two bombs in this game. Two touchdowns, I should say, in this game. One, one bomb touchdown. Now everyone's going to be asking themselves, well, what does this mean? And it means nothing because Alan Lazard's going to probably be back next week. This is his once-in-a-blue-moon game where he puts things over the top, where he puts up big points. If you could actually figure out when that was going to happen, then my hat is off to you. Nobody else is going to be able to. And with Alan Lazard coming back, it's not like his target share, his involvement in the offense is going to rise now. We know every so often he's going to catch a bomb. The problem is you're never going to know when to play him for that bomb. So nothing much really changes for the Packers' side of things Tyler Irvin was a little bit involved. Four catches, 48 yards, eight carries, 24 yards. That immediately disappears next week when we expect to see Jamal Williams back. So not much really changes for the Green Bay Packers from a fantasy standpoint, other than you got good performances out of the guys you needed. The only disappointment, like I said before, was Tanyan, who only had one target, one catch, five yards. They played a lot of the tight ends. They kept you know, so what do you do about Robert Tanya moving forward? I guess you could say he just he stays in the streaming territory. They have a good matchup next week, but you're just you know with these tight ends who are all in this ten to twenty range really now, they're all about the same. 
They can all give you dud performances like this, or they could actually give you a solid performance. On a, and it flip-flops every single week. It's just a matter of can you pick the right one at the right time. Because if you don't have a top five tight end, you're, you're pretty much you're playing Russian roulette when it comes to the tight end position and what you're going to get. So it's something that you have to keep in mind when it comes to tight ends, knowing that you're going to have to shoot your shot, and sometimes it's going to blow up in your face. Tanya did. So did Jordan Reed. And we'll talk about the 49ers. I'm going to give, my, I'm going to give myself a little bit of a pat on the back when it comes to the San Francisco 49ers. I am. Because I'm pretty sure I am the only one, the only one, who is saying that this was going to be a Jarek McKinnon game, not a Jermichael Hasty game, because Jarek McKinnon plays with Nick Mullins. And I'm pretty sure I was the only one going around saying that. I'm pretty sure. Maybe there was somebody else out there that I don't know about, but I'm pretty sure. So I'm going to give myself a little bit of a pat on the back for that, because I screwed up. I openly admit that I screwed up the time he didn't enjoy repick, so I can give myself a little pat on the back for that. But McKinnon was good. 12 carries, 52 yards. He got a touchdown. Three catches, 16 yards. If you listen to the show, if you're part of MD Nation, and you actually played him, then you were happy with his performance. The touchdown, of course, came in garbage time on the last drive, but hey, that's where fantasy points live and die for the most part, especially when it comes to these bad teams. And make no mistake, the San Francisco 49ers moving forward are going to be a bad team. Nick Mullins was 291, a touchdown, an interception. Richie James. So when you're asking yourself, you know, who's going to be the wide receiver? Because there's no Brandon Ayuk, no Debo Samuel, no George Kittle. Richie James. Richie James. Nine catches, 184 yards, a touchdown, 13 targets. A guy that they weren't even 100% sure was definitely going to be able to go this week. They weren't. They didn't think it was going to happen. He comes in because he is a special teams phenom and he's always been fast. They pretty much just used that to their advantage. It helped that Jared Alexander had to go out with a concussion during the game. But Richie James. Now, Richie James is not going to be a thing moving forward. Brandon Ayuk will be back next week, and it just kind of shows you that this could have been a Brandon Ayuk game, and that's kind of disappointing because he would have played in some people's lineups. You weren't going to play a San Francisco 49er wide receiver in this game. You just weren't. So it's kind of a shame in that standpoint, but this doesn't do anything for Richie James moving forward. Debo will be back, I believe, in two weeks or so. Jordan Reed will get more involved moving forward. This, I, I, I'm not worried about Jordan Reed. This was a situation where if you were really dying to find a tight end streamer, there was a case to be made that he could wind up getting a lot of targets in this game because they just desperately needed somebody. I think Jordan Reed has some better days ahead. I think he falls into that widening category of that really that low-end tight end one, tight end two that you're pretty much streaming any given week depending upon the matchup. Now, remember, the 49ers do have a bye in Week 11 as well. So that's coming up. But there's really not much else to talk about here. Moving forward, what are you going to do? Well, it's going to depend on the quarterback. If C.J. Bathard plays, and we're still waiting for Tevin Coleman and Raheem Mostert to come back, well, then I think you might see a little bit more of Jermichael Hasty. But if it continues to be Nick Mullins, and that's going to be the debate heading into next week, is which quarterback is going to quarterback in Week 10. Because I, I think that after what Nick Mullins did last night, I think that has to be completely up in the air. But if it's going to be Nick Mullins, it's probably going to be Jarek McKinnon because he looks to check down more. There's a comfort level there with Nick Mullins and Jarek McKinnon that there's not with Jermichael Hasty. And if you played Hasty, he was terrible in this game. I mean, we still had him as an RB3, thinking he would still maybe get 8 to 10 carries in this one. He only got four. Two catches, 10 yards. Hasty is going to be a guy that, you know what, we can go ahead and hit this this button because... Raheem Mostert will be back soon, 
And I think it's going to be Jarek McKinnon next week again. Prepare to be flushed. That's going to be for Jermichael Hasty. There's no reason to own him after this week, after that showing. After seeing what's going on right now with the San Francisco 49ers offense. Outside of Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, I don't know how much I'm going to want to own any pieces of this offense moving forward. So that's going to wrap up the Thursday night recap. We can move off of that before we get into the late window game previews, which we're going to be talking about for the rest of the show. I do want to give you guys some injury updates from yesterday's episode. Now, again, make sure you go check it out if you haven't seen it. You can check it out on your favorite streaming app, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes. I mean, wherever you like to go, we're widely available to you as the MD Fantasy Football Show. But also make sure you're checking it out on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, on your Android apps, or if you're on iOS, www.srn. Now, for the injury updates that we have for you guys, which we will keep you up to date on social media at Show, just to make sure you guys know that, and it's a free resource, obviously. We're getting some news in now that we'll just add to the injury report, and we'll just start off with this. It looks like Devonta Freeman is actually going to practice today, and he looking like he's going to trend in the right direction for Sunday's game. So Devonta Freeman, who we are going to talk about, and uh, we're going to talk about the Giants in this show. I don't know. We talked about the Giants yesterday. My mistake. Uh, is going to look like he actually is going to play. So where is that going to do him? Well, we'll update our rankings on the BellyUpFantasySports.com website that you can always check out, and we have our updated rankings every single week for you guys in standard full point and half point PPR. And we had Wayne Goldman at RB30. We had him at an RB3. I imagine that I'll probably want to be putting Freeman somewhere in the similar territory as a Wayne Goldman, who, we ha- who I had projected out as the lead running back for the Giants heading into this game in the first place. So probably somewhere in that RB3 territory. So if you're looking for a flex play, or if you're looking for a warm body to step in as your RB2 because you're hurt by the bye weeks and everything like that, that's a situation where you might be able to play a Devonta Freeman. So he's somebody that you could probably go to, possibly. Obviously, you're not excited about the ceiling. Obviously, playing Washington with that front and the way the Giants have been playing as of late, there is a little bit of a low floor that comes with him. That's why he's in the RB3 territory, but he is a option if you're looking for ones out there. We'll stick with that game here. Golden Tate, he's back. Uh, he was back at practice yesterday. He's expected to go. Now, he, in and of himself, of course, is not uh, a guy that you want to be playing, or you're not gonna be, he's not going to be fantasy relevant, I should say. But him being back in the lineup does limit maybe some of the targets going to a Sterling Shepard, going to a Darius Slayton, going to an Evan Ingram. So something to kind of keep an eye on there. I still think Slayton, of all the giant wide receivers, is the one to go with this particular week because Sterling Shepard is going to be matched up on Fuller, and he's also dealing with his own injuries. Now, we, there's nothing that we expect him to be out of for Sunday, but he is a little bit limited as far as where his health is at the moment. Talk about Sammy Watkins. He came back. He practiced again in a limited capacity yesterday, so he's looking like he really is trending in the right direction of coming back from that hamstring issue going into Sunday's game. He came in at wide receiver, a high-end wide receiver three for us with this Kansas City offense, given the role that he was playing in before he went down with this injury. And also that while Michael Harmon was fine and while Demarcus Robinson was fine, they didn't do anything special to you know, keep Sammy Watkins out, more in particular with Michael Harmon, because that's kind of what you were wondering. If Michael Harmon had a great stretch, would he suddenly be able to take over Sammy Watkins because eventually that seems to be the way they have to take these things because we don't plan on seeing Sammy Watkins back again next year due to the contract situation unless he takes another pay cut and and signs for another one-year deal on even cheaper money. 
which I guess we can't rule out at this point, depending on what he wants to do. But as it stands right now, we're expecting Hartman to take over that job at some point next season, but it's not going to happen this year. He didn't do enough to make it in a question that Sammy Watkins is not going to be the number two receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs heading into this game. So he becomes in as a wide receiver three. He's somebody who definitely is an option in a game that very well could be a shootout. We're also getting news now that Kenyon Drake did not practice again. We did not expect him to come back uh, this week anyway. So this kind of just confirms that Kenyon Drake will not be playing uh, this week. Fire up Chase Edmond. We have, well, we're going to talk about this game uh, in this slate of window, but we have Chase Edmonds as the top five running back this week. Jonathan Taylor, he came back and practiced in a full capacity yesterday. So whatever that ankle issue was, obviously it was not serious. Jonathan Taylor, we do have him as a low-end RB2. Obviously, you don't feel great about it right now because of the way the Colts are choosing to stick with this three-man rotation. Not to mention they're playing the Baltimore Ravens, which is not a great matchup to begin with. But I think you ha- I don't I don't know if you're going to have a better option. Most people who drafted Jonathan Taylor drafted him in the first three rounds. I don't know if you're going to have a better option to bench Jonathan Taylor for. If you do, great, because he's not going to have a high ceiling here against the Baltimore Ravens and when he's splitting touches with two other running backs in that backfield. And what seems like a possibility of him being in a hot man rotation, a hot hand rotation, if you will, which always puts everything into an extra state of flux. So we have an RB22. I think you have to play him because you're probably not going to have a better option. But if you do, don't be afraid to bench him because he is going to have a lower ceiling heading into this week that we have to expect for. Calvin Ridley. There's actually been some really good news on Calvin Ridley. So Atlanta, they're having to deal with their own COVID issues right now. So they did not have the uh, team facility was not open today. Now, they're expected to be fine overall. It was a high contact uh, tracing situation, a precaution so this game's still going to go on as far as that is concerned. But their hope was that they were actually going to get Calvin, because he hasn't practiced the past two days. Their hope was they were going to get Calvin Ridley to come out today's practice and see what he could do. Now, we did not. I haven't ranked Calvin Ridley, and I still won't until I get some more news on this. Probably not until tomorrow. They'll be updated for you guys first thing Sunday morning like they always are. I promise you that on the BillyUpFantasySports.com website. But when it comes to Calvin Ridley, we didn't expect any chance that he was going to play this week for two reasons. And I still lean towards him not playing, but for two reasons. One, it seemed like a serious enough foot issue that he really just needed at least a week off. But two, they're bye weeks next week. So it would just be hard for me to imagine a guy who's a definitely a future piece of this franchise, the future wide receiver core of this franchise, why you'd rush him back out there. You're not going to the playoffs. You have a bye week next week. He can come back 100% week 11. So I still lean towards him not playing, but there does seem to be growing optimism that they might be able to get him out there. So make sure you're following us on Twitter, at Show. We'll keep you up to date throughout the weekend as far as that goes. And if he does wind up looking like he's going to suit up, we'll have him ranked. But I lean, I still lean towards them not wind up playing him, especially since he got kind of cheated out of today's practice. Now, they'll, they'll do a walkthrough of sorts uh, tomorrow. So there will be a chance to see what he can do on the practice field tomorrow, but he could wind up being a game-time decision at this point. Speaking of game-time decisions, Ezekiel Elliott. He's going to be a game-time decision, it looks like. He did not do as much in practice yesterday as Mike McCarthy was hoping for. He was only a limited participant, has only been a limited participant to this point. They're sounding more and more like they said they're going to warm him up in today's practice, warm him up on Sunday, that sounds like a game-time decision to me. 
So if Tony Pollard, for whatever reason, is available out there on your waiver wires, and I'm not sure what the percentages are on on his availability, but check your waiver wire. If he's available out there in your leagues, you got you got to pick him up now. Part of it, you're not going to want to play. Let's let's say for a second, Zeke Elliott misses this game. Pollard will probably come somewhere in the low end RB two range just because of pure volume, but. With the way that the Cowboys have him playing, the fact that it's going to be either Garrett Gilbert or Cooper Rush at the quarterback position, the fact that their offensive line is still banged up, the fact that they're going to be playing against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who just traded for Avery Williamson to replace Devin Bush, so the opportunity to run on this team just went out the window. There's a lot of things working against you if you're certain, sitting down in a situation hoping to play Tony Pollard if Ezekiel Elliott cannot go. There's a lot of things working against you in that situation. He will still probably, like I say, he'll still probably come in as a low-end RB2 because of the expected volume that we would want to see, especially when talking about half-point PPR leagues, full-point PPR leagues. We'll expect him to see him get quite a few receptions to kind of boost his floor level. If you're in standard leagues, though, it's going to be a little tricky. It's going to depend on what you have available to you. Now, you probably weren't depending, unless you're Ezekiel Elliott owner. If you're Ezekiel Elliott owner, you probably don't have a better option. But if you're not and you're able to get Tony Pollard, well, then you probably weren't expecting to use Tony Pollard anyway. So I would look at what your roster construction is because there is going to be a low ceiling given all the circumstances, all the variables heading into this game around the Dallas Cowboys and the running back unit. I mean, even Ezekiel Elliott, we had ranked as a mid to low level RB2 for this game. Ezekiel Elliott. Because of all those variables that we just laid out for you when it comes to Tony Pollard. So I am not necessarily rushing out there to pick him up and automatically insert him into my lineup. It depends on what my situation is. But you still should pick him up so that way nobody else in your league has the option. Especially the Ezekiel Elliott owner. You don't want them to have another option. Make everybody suffer. Play it aggressively. Play it with strategy. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. Chris Godwin is out there at practice. This is something that I kind of expect we might hear about as the show progresses to the 130 hour. He was able to, he's able, he's out there right now. He has a special glove. Uh, the last report that we got was minutes before we came on to the show, which was that he was gripping the ball, seeing how it felt and everything, kind of testing out the new glove that he's going to be trying to use. He's going to test to see catch, how he feels catching the football today. So today's practice will determine. I believe whether or not we can expect to see Chris Godwin or not today. We'll know. We'll know today one way or another. I believe so. That's going to be the good news. At least you're going to know one way or another. If he does play, we have him as a wide receiver too against the Saints. He's a good matchup. Uh, the Saints' defense has just been completely disappointing all year long. 
and Tampa Bay's offense will be moving full throttle. And yes, even with Antonio Brown being out there, because if Chris Godwin plays, I think the the snap share for Antonio Brown will actually be a little bit limited. I don't think he's going to go out there and just you know be out there on the field the same amount of time as a Mike Evans and a Chris Godwin the first game. Uh, that he's back for. It's still been, what, a year and a half, two years now since Antonio Brown has played. I don't think he's going to come out there and get 95% of the snaps. That's just not going to happen, especially if Chris Godwin plays. Now, if he doesn't play, I think there is an argument to be made that Brown could be a flex consideration because he probably would play a significant amount in that scenario, and he would have the better mismatch because Mike Evans will be seeing Marshawn Lattimore again for most of this game. But I'm leaning towards Chris Godwin actually finding a way to suit up this week. It's a big divisional matchup. If anybody, if if any of their top horses can go, they're going to want them to go. Oh, and speak of the devil, we just got an update right now for Chris Godwin. See, I told you, right? As, and I was hoping as this show went on, it's not a, it's not as big of an update as I was hoping for, though. As I'm reading through it here, Bruce Arians talking about Chris Godwin's progress. So we want to see how sore it is tomorrow, but he did catch the ball fine today. I would anticipate him probably playing. So there you go. Just as we're talking about Chris Godwin, perfect timing. Couldn't have done it better myself. Chris Godwin trending towards playing, did catch the ball. We'll test how sore he is tomorrow. And of course, you're going to want to take a barometer of that and keep your ear to the grindstone at BellyUpMDFF Show on Twitter. But it looks like Chris Godwin is going to play after all. So good news there. All right, so now we move on into Tim Patrick, Denver Broncos wide receiver. The guy who's been leading the way, the guy who's been playing the Cortland Sutton role. He was limited. He's trending towards being able to go. And if he can go against the Atlanta Falcons, we do have him ranked to play. Because I was expecting him to be able to make a return for this game. If he can go against the Atlanta Falcons, given the role that he has been in, he's a nice little, he's a nice little play this week. We have him in the wide receiver two range this week if he can go. So Tim Patrick, definitely somebody to kind of pick up. He's somebody who might be available out there in your waiver wires and could inject a big boost into your lineup this week if he's available and ready to go against the Atlanta Falcons. John Brown did come back to practice in full capacity on Thursday as we expected him to. We, we knew that the Wednesday off was just a veteran day. We're not worried about that in any capacity. This is a great matchup against Seattle. If he's fully healthy, which if he's practicing in full would indicate that he's pretty close to 100% or at least as close as he's going to get anyway. We do think that John Brown has serious ceiling upside in this game against Seattle Seahawks. Not that that should be a surprise as far as that analysis is going for anybody, but for those of you out there who have become a little bit shaken by Josh Allen, become a little bit shaken by the inconsistent use of John Brown when he's been out there because of the injuries and everything like that, I would feel very confident in playing John Brown as my wide receiver three and playing him as my flex play, especially if I'm looking to hit a home run this week. So I like John Brown a lot this week. Adam Humphreys continues to be out at this point, we would say that it's more likely than not he will again miss because of the concussion. So that just means more targets for A.J. Brown, more targets for Corey Davis, more targets for Janu Smith, maybe. That's something we talked about yesterday we're going to have to watch. Of course, it's against Chicago. Not a great matchup, but if they're going to get more targets, these guys have been heavily leaned on on this offense, and I think they'll have just fine floors for you to go to in this game especially if they're doing Adam Humphreys. Mark Ingram, again, was out yesterday, too. It does not look like he's going to play, so we maintain our RB3 status, our low-end RB2 status on J.K. Dobbins, our RB3 status on Gus Edwards heading into this matchup. 
And we still have not heard any updates on Matthew Stafford as far as is he trending in the right direction? Did he did he test negative since, you know, I think believe it was Monday or Tuesday? Has he tested negative since then? Because if he continues to do so, he can still play this week against the Minnesota Vikings. He of himself would be a streaming quarterback for us because of the matchup. I don't care that he didn't practice. Matthew Stafford's not one of those guys that I feel like has to practice throughout the week in order to actually play well. And also, it it would it would go into what's the value for a TJ Hawkinson? What's the value for a possible Marvin Jones play this week if Matthew Stafford is out there and playing? So, and it would affect the running back group. How much are they going to lean on the running backs? Uh, if there's a Stafford versus a no Stafford. So I haven't heard a lot of updates on that yet. Of course, we'll keep you updated throughout the weekend. Those are all the updates from the games that we talked about yesterday. So the games that we're going to talk about today, the late window games, are all, we're going to keep you up to date on the injuries to them and talk about that as we go through our analysis. What I want to do first, though, is I want to take a little bit of a quick break, come back, and we'll kick off the late week nine matchup previews for you right after this. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And we are back on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And as always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. And MD Nation, we've been out there. We've been talking about the injury updates going into this week from yesterday's show. We were talking about the Thursday night recap. Now we are going to get into the late window of games for week nine and give you all the fantasy analysis and, of course, keep you up to date with the injuries as well. So now we got the Raiders. We got the Chargers in this big AFC West matchup game. And we got Josh Jacobs. Everybody keeps talking about Josh Jacobs. You know, is he? he's not quite the top six maybe running back that some people out there were hoping he would be to this point, but he is probably as solid as they come. He has as high of a floor as they come because kind of like Derrick Henry, he is just going to get the ball no matter what the game script is. He's averaging over 20 carries a game right now. Josh Jacobs against the Chargers who are kind of in the middle, mid-level when I would say when it comes to the running back position, being able to defend the running back position. Josh Jacobs comes in as our number 10 running back on the week, so I think this is going to be a solid play for him. A lot of people are asking, you know, Derek Carr, is he a stream-worthy quarterback? Because everyone's, you know, rightfully so. You're throwing away the game from last week because it was such bad weather out there. Nobody's passing attack was going to be able to do anything, and I don't care if it was Derek Carr or, frankly, I don't know if it wouldn't even matter if it was Aaron Rodgers because of how strong those gusts of winds were last week. Look, with 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 their car, he comes in a QB 16 for us. So he's going to be in the argument level. But there's such a low cap to his ceiling that I think you can find better options. For instance, even a Matthew Stafford who doesn't practice all week long, if he's able to go on Sunday against the Minnesota Vikings, I would much rather pick up and play a Matthew Stafford than a Derek Carr. 100%. And that is something that should be available to you in a lot of leagues. I don't believe Matthew Stafford is more than 50% owned, at least not on average anyway, throughout all the major platforms the last time I looked at it. So I would rather do some is some situations like that than have to go in a Derek Carr direction. Darren Waller obviously must play tight end three for us on the week. Uh, just he continue, He just remains to be the number one pass catcher for the Raiders overall. And while he hasn't had these huge games like he did a year ago. He's been very solid on a week-to-week basis. So Darren Waller, good to go, our tight end three. As far as the wide receivers go, and you're looking at a Henry Ruggs, I don't like this matchup for Henry Ruggs. I don't like the fact that he's going to be matched up on Hayward for most of this game. 
obviously with Ruggs, you're only hoping for that one big play to make him fantasy relevant. Otherwise, you know, you know there's going to possibly be a low floor when it comes to a Henry Ruggs if he doesn't hit that one big play because he's still just not in a situation yet where he's seeing, let's say, five to seven targets on a consistent basis. This is this is not that's not happening yet. It might happen next year. It might happen down the road. But right now, that's not our expectation. So Henry Ruggs, obviously, if you are just looking for a home run threat, uh, he has as good of a chance this week to hit it as he does any other week. But you are playing, uh, some, you're you're gambling on a high level if you are actually going to roll the dice on Henry Ruggs this particular week. We don't have him ranked inside the top 36 of wide receivers. When it comes to the Chargers side of the ball, Justin Herbert, fire him up. He's a top 10 QB. We have him at QB 7 on the week. I don't think anybody should question that. This is a great matchup against the Raiders. Definitely, as long as the weather is fine and we don't run the situation like we did last week, this is a great matchup for any quarterback, for any offense, because the Raiders are so terrible defensively. And you have Justin Herbert, who's been on fire over the past, I don't know, I guess you could probably say he's been on fire since the day he started when Taylor unfortunately had his lung punctured by his own doctors. Herbert's going to be a top 10 quarterback without a doubt. I mean, maybe he'll even be a top seven quarterback without a doubt for the rest of the season anyway. And he comes in at seven this week for us. Keenan Allen, obviously he's a top 10 receiver for us this week. He's seen double digit targets every single week. He gets that against the Raiders. You can ensure he's going to have a great game too. Hunter Henry, Hunter Henry, so aggravating, so aggravating. The talent is there. The offense is playing well. The quarterback is there. Even the opportunities are there because Hunter Henry is somebody who's still getting, on average, five to seven targets at the tight end position. That is the only reason. The opportunities are the only reason that we continue to hold out hope for Hunter Henry because at this point, the statistics, the production just hasn't been there. So if you're playing Hunter Henry, it's because you're, you're trusting the process over the results so far. And we have him at tight end 13 on the week. I don't feel great about it. But it does put him in the top end of streamer category. But you're probably not dropping Hunter Henry. You're not moving on. You're not putting him on the waiver wire to stream. You're just playing him as a low-level tight end one, which, and you're just hoping at some point Justin Herbert actually throws him the ball in the end zone. Because it doesn't make any sense that it hasn't happened to this point, but it continues to not happen. So he's very, very frustrating. I understand if you want to look in a different direction, but we do have him at tight end 13, given that it's the Raiders, given that he's still seeing Five to seven targets on average. The real question with the Chargers, and Mike Williams, I'll just touch him quickly. Wide receiver 38. So yes, he's a considerable flex play. It's only because they're playing the Raiders. Last week was the first week that we actually saw Mike Williams be able to get targeted on a significant level while Keenan Allen was actually healthy and out there on the field. It's the first time we've seen it. So I'm not ready to jump all in on Mike Williams being a wide, a solid wide receiver three that you can plug into your lineups into this offense because there's, that was only one time. I'm not ready to just jump in off of one occasion that Mike Williams was actually being targeted alongside of Keenan Allen. If it happens again this game, he'll have a good game. And if it happens again this game, then we will start to have a little bit more confidence that that could happen again and again and again this season. And then we'll move up Mike Williams in the rankings. But for now, I'm playing to that there is a low floor factor here that we have to recognize and that's why he comes at wide receiver 38 for us and what should be a game that Mike Williams would be normally able to dominate if we could trust that he was definitely going to get the target share. The real narrative on the Chargers and trying to figure out what you're going to get is the running back situation. We do expect Justin Jackson to get the majority of the work 
what majority of the work that is, I think, can be anybody's guess right now. Last week, it happened to be 20 opportunities. Maybe because it's the Raiders, maybe he gets the opportunity for that to be the case again. But Jermaine Pope is going to be a factor. Josh Kelly is getting phased out. Josh Kelly's the odd man out. But he's still going to probably account for somewhere between the six to eight opportunities in his own right, whether it be carries or receptions. So that's where it kind of gets a little, because then you, ha- you chip away there. Tremaine Pope, somebody who came out of nowhere last week, it has a very similar skill set to a Justin Jackson, but somebody that they liked. And that's mostly due to the fact that Joshua Kelly's just been very disappointing ever since really week two of this season. He's going to be a factor. We have Pope ranked at RB37. So he's just outside RB36 for us, just outside the cusps of that flex play for us. Because I, I, I don't think last week was a fluke. I think that's something that is going to continue. Because he played well. And it was just clear that he was playing ahead of Joshua Kelly now. So all these factors kind of limit the ceiling of a Justin Jackson. But we come in, Jackson still a high-end RB2 for us. Again, the Raiders are terrible against the run. Now, they are a little bit better when Jonathan Abram plays, and he's gonna. we expect him to play in this game. They are a little bit better in that sense, but Justin Jackson will get receptions. Justin Jackson will get at least 15 carries, I believe, in this game. We saw what he can do last week when he has the holes. He has some explosive ability. I feel good given this matchup, given this week, especially the landscape this week is crazy. Justin Jackson is somebody we think is going to be a high-end RB2 this week. So play him with confidence, and then we're going to be watching this game closely to kind of figure out what is the rotation now. Is it solidified that Pope is ahead of Joshua Kelly and what that possibly means as far as opportunities go throughout these running backs? I know a lot of people are trying to ask, where's Austin Eckler in all this? Austin Eckler, we don't know when he's going to come back. Now, they, you know, Anthony Lynn's been saying all the right things. You know, Austin Eckler... He is progressing well. He's rehabbing well. We might see him sooner rather than later. That, that, that's something that has changed now this week from what it was a week ago where it was later rather than sooner. I, I don't know. It was such a bad hamstring issue. And people keep trying to throw out week 10, which would be next week, as a possibility. I don't see it. I don't see how he comes back week 10. With that hamstring issue, with the fact that Justin Jackson's been playing well, and let's also put into the mix the Chargers are in the playoff race. Now, if they were magically, you know, they rattle off this game, they would rattle off next week, maybe they can make an argument because there's that extra wild card spot this year that they can make a run at that, but they're not in the playoff race. You paid Austin Eckler a big contract. There's no way I could see them bringing him back unless they are 100% sure that he's going to be healthy. So I think we're still looking at a few more weeks before we even have Austin Eckler in the conversation. If you have an IR spot and you're able to keep stashing him there, go for it. But if not, I could understand maybe you look to trade an Austin Eckler to try to make the roster moves because I don't know when he's going to come back. And maybe somebody will buy into the idea that he will be back sooner rather than later and you can get some good value for him. But I don't think that's going to be the case. So let's move on to our next game. Let's talk about the Steelers. Let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys. And we'll get into a little bit more on the Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard side of things. Obviously, again, you know Jerry Jones comes out, and I, I have comments here, and I did see that alert as well uh, on Facebook at the moment. Yes, Jerry Jones came out and said that he expects Ezekiel Elliott to go. I don't care what Jerry Jones has to say. Jerry Jones you know, flaps his mouth about everything 24-7 and winds up not being true, uh, I would say, about probably 80% of the time, especially when it comes to his football team. 
It doesn't sound like McCarthy, on the other hand. McCarthy doesn't sound like he expects Elliott to miss, but this is going to be a game-time decision. And just given that they have a bye week next week, it makes things just a little bit more interesting. I'm not saying that I'm leaning towards Ezekiel Elliott being out, because I'm, I'm not at this point. I still have him ranked as an RB2. But because they have that bye week next week, because they've been playing so poorly as of late, I don't know if you just decide you want to throw Ezekiel Elliott to the Wolves in this game instead of just letting him get healthy. And coming back in Week 11, where there should be an Andy Dalton, which at least is an improvement amongst the, the travesty that is the quarterback situation right now for them, and they might get some of their offensive linemen back in Week 11 too. So there's, there's that factor of why he might not play. Why I think it might be more of a chance that he might not play. If this was any other week, if they didn't have their bye week next week, or if they already had their bye, I think there's I think there would be very little chance that he didn't suit up. But that, that would become a variable. So again, it just re-emphasizes the point. Make sure you have Tony Pollard, just in case. With the wide receivers. I have Amari Cooper ranked wide receiver 26. I don't feel good about it. It's a high-end wide receiver 3 when you're talking about 12-man leagues. Look, when it comes to Amari Cooper, he should get targeted more than he did with Ben DiNucci last week. I don't know what happened there because he wasn't... He, he wasn't shadowed by Slay, which we thought might happen. That didn't wind up happening. The guy who was actually getting shadowed by Slay was Michael Gallup, who had 12 targets. I don't know what happened last week. I don't think anybody knows what happened last week. I don't think the Cowboys know what happened last week, and that's why Ben DiNucci's not starting quarterback again this week. You, Mari Cooper's going to have a low floor. Plain, plain and simple. You're going against Steelers, who, from a wide receiver perspective, is not really that bad of a matchup, but the problem is... How often are the quarterbacks actually going to have any time to throw the ball down the field? Now, that does play in the Cooper's strength a little bit because he is the one running the shorter routes in this offense. That's why he's had so many games for seven catches for 80 yards uh, a lot this season. But, man, oh, man, I don't know if you can trust any pass catcher on the Dallas Cowboys right now. I just don't, I just don't think you can. Like I said, Mark Cooper comes at wide receiver 26 and makes him a high-end wide receiver 3. But even that, I don't really feel great about. And you have to consider, when you're doing your roster construction, when you're putting your lineups together, he's going to have a low floor in this game. And not much of a ceiling either. So take that into consideration when you're looking at what options you have available to you. But you might not have a better one. Uh, some people want to ask about Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz, we have him at tight end 15 this week. Again, unless it's Amari Cooper, I don't think I'm even contemplating putting in a Dallas Cowboy pass catcher this week. Just not doing it. Plus, the Steelers are great against good tight ends, let alone this situation. Now let's talk about the Steelers' side of the ball. Play everyone. I mean, if we, if we want to just give the quick fantasy analysis on it, play, play everyone. Chase Claypool finally looking like he is playing well ahead of James Washington, something that we were waiting for. Uh, to get the, you know confirmation on, waiting for it to happen, and then being able to have enough data on it to confirm that it did, in fact, happen. So Claypool, fire him up. Now, he's probably the lower ranked of the three wide receivers when it comes to uh, you know Claypool, Schuster, Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson, our highest-ranked receiver this week. He comes at wide receiver 14. Juju comes in at wide receiver 20. Claypool comes in at wide receiver 22. All two wide receiver twos with upside, obviously. And it, all three of them could be wide receiver ones. I mean, this is just the state of the Dallas Cowboys are in. It just that's what it breaks down to. Smith Schuster, I think you can guarantee me seven catches for at least sixty-eight yards. The question will be, do you score a touchdown or not? Because that's pretty much been the stat line anyway. Against the Cowboys, there's a decent chance he gets a touchdown in this game. Claypool, like I said, he has the big explosive abilities playing ahead of James Washington. He comes in at wide receiver twenty-two for us. 
He's a big red zone target. But the number one wide receiver of this team, when he is healthy, and that's been a struggle this year, but when he is healthy, is Deontay Johnson. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a Hey, if you've had a bladder leak today, listen up. I get it. I tried pills and pads for years but couldn't find relief until I found Axonix Therapy. It's a tiny device that put me back in control of my bladder. Why not see if it could work for you? Visit findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonix is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. Deontay Johnson is the number one guy. Now, I know last week he goosed everybody. I get it. I understand. I know. I understand what your frustrations would be. Deontay Johnson would be a buy-low candidate for me. If you can get him for pennies on the dollar, which might be possible right now because between the injuries and him getting zero points against the Baltimore Ravens last week, I think that might be a possibility out there in some of your leagues. I want every little bit of Deontay Johnson I could possibly get. First of all, you get the nice upside of the Steelers already having their bye week done, so you don't have to worry about it while you're going into these playoff races. And he is, more times than not, with the exception of last week, when he's out there healthy on the field for all four quarters, he's the number one target. Plain and simple. He is. So he comes in at wide receiver 14 for us. I wouldn't be shocked at all if he winds up cracking the top 10 this week. They're going to probably have an emphasis on getting him the ball after not being able to get him the ball a week ago. So play all of them, pretty much. Eric Ebron is a top 10 tight end for us this week. You can have him at tight end 7. He's somebody, even with the wide receivers getting their targets, Eric Ebron has actually been getting his workload, his opportunities as well, too. He's been staring at 5 to 7 targets in every game. And he's been getting touchdowns lately, too. Eric Ebron, tight end 7. Play him. James Conner is going to be an RB1 this week. We have an RB7 overall. Top 10 Rye guy. Not that you were going to bench any of these people, but... Just to kind of give you an idea of what our expectations are, what our ceilings are for this game, we believe James Conner will be an RB1 this week, with, with, without a doubt. Figure Steelers get up big. They'll let Conner work out the clock. We might see a little bit of Benny Snell this week, too, because I think there's a real chance we're going to see maybe all the fourth quarter, or at least part of the fourth quarter, we're going to see the backups of the Steelers come in, because I expect this to be a blowout. 100% expect this to be a blowout. Ben Roethlisberger. QB9. We have him a top 10 quarterback. He's a top streamer for us for this week. I know he hasn't been great, but Dallas makes a lot of guys look really good. And when you have this many weapons in this kind of a matchup, I don't see how he doesn't finish inside the top 10. I just don't see it. So Ben Roethlisberger, fire him up. Fire him up. He's a good option this week. Let's move into the Miami Dolphins. Let's talk about the Arizona Cardinals. Tua Tagalavoa. Obviously, fantasy purposes, we're not, we're not telling you to play him. He's, he's QB20 for us on the week. The question is, what do you do about the rest of the pass catchers? Because there should be high volume when it comes to the Dolphins this week. There should be. You're not going to have Gaskin. 
It doesn't look like you're gonna have you're gonna have Brita, and that's something we're gonna have to update on our rankings. So we still had Brita ranked. We'll have that updated for you late Saturday night, Sunday morning. You're gonna be leaning on Jordan Howard, who's been a healthy scratch for I believe three weeks now. You're gonna be leaning on DeAndre Washington, who you literally just traded for this week. The running game's not going to be a thing for the Dolphins. It's just not. There's going to be high volume for the rookie quarterback in this game. Which leads me to Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker comes in at wide receiver 31 for us. Leaning on the idea that there's going to have to be high volume, that the Dolphins are going to have to throw the ball to move the ball in this matchup. I'm not worried about Patrick Peterson so much. He's not the same corner he used to be. What I am a little concerned about, though, and this plays to Parker possibly having a low floor, I'm a little concerned that because it's Patrick Peterson, Tua Tagovailoa may choose to target Preston Williams on the other side. He may choose just to go away from him, which is what my fear is a little bit when it comes to Parker. But if they're going to have the volume I expect him to have, and I expect at least 35 pass attempts in this game for Tua, if not 40, given the circumstances around their running game, and that Arizona has a real shot here, to run up the score. I know Dolphins defense have been playing well, but I think coming out of the bye, I think Arizona's offense, with with now Chase Edmonds coming out, is going to look actually a little bit more efficient. It's going to look a little bit more explosive. We'll talk about their offensive weapons in a second. But as a result of that, being that it's in Arizona and they're coming off the bye, I think the Dolphins are going to have to come back from behind too at some point in this game. So there should be high volume in this game. So Parker has a decent floor, I believe. But I question exactly what his ceiling is going to be because we still don't know who Tua's tar- favorite target really is. I mean, Parker had the touchdown last week, but he only had two targets. His favorite target, as far as pass catchers go, was Preston Williams, who had five. So we're going to have to see. That game, we had a really weird game script, so we just didn't get to take a lot of data out of that game. The game really didn't tell us a lot when it came to you know Tua and Parker and Williams and Mike Isicki. It just didn't tell us a lot. So Parker, wide receiver 31. We're not playing Preston Williams. Obviously, it's just a matter of, you know, where's Parker's value at when it comes to Preston Williams' targets. Mike Isicki, tight end 19. I don't know how you can trust the Mike Isicki at this point. I, I don't know who would want to. He's had, what, two good games this year? He's been hardly even involved. And this is, goes back before Tua took over? Where we have a lot of question marks as to what we're going to see? No. I'm not trusting Mike Isicki this week. As far as the Arizona Cardinals side of the ball, this is where things get a little bit exciting. Now, like I said, the Dolphins defense has been playing well, but I expect the Arizona Cardinals offense to be a little bit more efficient now they have Chase Edmonds back there. Why I think Chase Edmonds should continue being the starting running back, but that we'll have that conversation at another time. Kyler Murray is our QB1. He's been the QB1 for the season. We know that even if he's not efficient throwing the ball, which he hasn't been at times this year, he'll run the heck out of it and give you a big, you know, give you a big fantasy output. No worries there. So QB1. Chase Edmonds, running back five overall. RB5, top RB1 this week. Love the matchup, love his ability, love how he has looked so far this season. He's going to get all the work. Love Chase Edmonds this week. Don't think that should be a surprise to anybody. DeAndre Hopkins, wide receiver three on the week. We know that DeAndre Hopkins has a better than 50% chance of getting double-digit targets Almost every single week. He's kind of on the Keenan Allen thing right now where it's just, you know they're going to get double-digit targets. And being how good they are, and when they have games like this where 
Yes, Miami's secondary is decent, but they, you know, whether Byron Jones or Xavier Howard, whoever they want to throw out there, uh, there's nobody that I feel like has the capability of actually taking away a DeAndre Hopkins. So I expect double-digit targets. I expect a high floor. I expect a great ceiling. DeAndre Hopkins, wide receiver three. I think the question is, can you play a Christian Kirk on the backside, who, going into the bye week, had five touchdowns in three games. Five touchdowns in three games out of Christian Kirk. Now, he has definitely established himself as somebody who needs to be owned everywhere. I think the question is, when are you feeling comfortable playing him? I have him at wide receiver 43 this week, which puts him at the low-end conversation of the flex territory. I don't know if I'm looking to play him necessarily against the Dolphins, but here's what I will say. If you're looking at your rosters and you're like, look, I need... I need somebody who at least has some upside. I need somebody who can take me over the top and at least has the potential to win me the week because you know I have this guy on by or I have this guy injured or the matchup that I'm playing against, hey, this guy has me outgunned. If you're looking for that little spark from that guy who can just overperform and has that upside, that's a Christian Kirk guy right now. He's on a fire as far as the touchdowns go. He's overtaking Larry Fitzgerald in snap count, in routes run, in targets. He is the second wide receiver. We knew somebody else besides DeAndre Hopkins was going to have to start to get more involved. I'm good with you playing Christian Kirk if you need to take a shot somewhere. That's why he's at wide receiver 43 for us. And that might even be a little bit too low because he has some big upside. Let's move on here. Let's move into the Saints, Tampa Bay, Sunday night, talking about a game that everyone's looking forward to. To me, it's the game of the week. Let's talk about the Saints first, because there's a lot of injuries here that we have to get through. Drew Brees might be a little bit more banged up than we all realize with his shoulder issue that he's going through right now. Now, they expect him to play. He's been limited in practice. But from what I understand yesterday, he was working off to the side more than not. So Drew Brees might be a little bit banged up in this game. But we do, at this point, expect him to go. As far as his actual fantasy value, he's not a streaming quarterback for us in this game. It's Tampa Bay's defense. He's dealing with the injury, and it's not like he's been great this year anyway. So not a streaming option for us. But it's important because you need Breeze out there because guess who finally might come back? Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas might be back in this game. He's been practicing in limited capacity this week. So far, as far as we understand it to this point, at 12.55 on Friday... There hasn't been any setbacks with him in practice. I don't want to say that we're definitely going to see Michael Thomas because I feel like every time I felt confident about that heading into a week, we haven't seen it yet. It's been one thing or another with him, whether he's punching a guy out or picking up new injuries while he's practicing. So I don't, knock on wood, I don't want to jinx anything, but we might actually see Michael Thomas coming back this week. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, at BellyUpMDFFShow. We'll keep you up to date because that's something we're all going to be watching right up until game time. If Thomas plays... You're playing him. We have him ranked at wide receiver 13. No, it's not a great matchup, but there's going to be an emphasis if he's out there to get Michael Thomas the ball a lot, especially after what happened the first time these two teams played each other. It's going to be a big Thomas and Alvin Kamara game as far as targets go. That's why we need Drew Brees to be healthy because we need to make sure that's exactly what's going to happen. Kamara is our RB4 this week. It's the first time in a while we actually haven't had him ranked at RB1. Again, that's a testament to the fact that he's playing Tampa Bay. 
we don't expect high efficient numbers in the ground game. The great thing about Kamara and why he just has this insane floor every single week, even when he doesn't score, which has actually been a few weeks now since he since he has scored a touchdown. He's on a record pace in receptions and reception yards. And even with Michael Thomas coming back, even with Emmanuel Sanders coming back, because we expect him to be back this week too. He got activated off the COVID reserve list. He may not see double-digit targets. Maybe. There's still a possibility he could. But he's going to still see 7-9. and nine. He's still going to be heavily involved. So that's the great thing about Alvin Kamara. Even in a matchup like this, we know he's going to be so involved in the passing game that you just don't worry about him killing your, your lineup. And as long as he gives you that four with the receptions, he's due for a touchdown. 100%, he's due for a touchdown. Jared Cook, tight end nine. Again, he kind of falls in that category where, yeah, if he scores, he's going to be top 10 tight end. If he doesn't, then, you know, who knows? He might be tight end 25. As a long list of guys like that, he has been getting targeted in the red zone. He has been getting a target a lot overall, which I think has been a little bit disappointing, especially since there's been no Michael Thomas. We kind of expected him to be more involved between the 20s. But when they get inside the 20, Jared Cook is definitely somebody Drew Brees is looking for. And that's not going to change even with Michael Thomas coming back. He's still going to be somebody that Drew Brees looks for. And now that there will be a tension away from him in the red zone on top of it, it should allow him to get a few more one-on-one opportunities. So Jared Cook is tight end nine for us. On Tampa Bay side of the ball, Tom Brady, QB8. We're finally going to see, we talked about it earlier in the show, it looks like we're going to see Chris Godwin, at least it's trending in that direction right now. We have him at wide receiver 18. We expect him to go, we expect him to play. It's a big matchup. He'll be in his, as long as he's good to go out there with that special glove he's trying out there and he can catch the ball, which is what it sounds like happened in practice today, Chris Godwin will be a wide receiver 2 for us. Mike Evans, high-end wide receiver 3. 28th. He's going against Lattimore. You don't love it. But I don't believe Antonio Brown is going to come in again and get 80 to 90% of the snap work. Not this week. I think there's going to be an emphasis to target Mike Evans when it comes to the red zone. That touchdown capability is what keeps him at a wide receiver three, even going up against Lattimore for most of this game. Let's get to the big one. Let's talk about Antonio Brown. Everyone wants to know, can we play him week one? Well, look, I do have him at wide receiver 46, so it's not outside the conversation of considering him potentially in your flex position, especially if you're in uh, three wide receiver leagues. It's in the conversation. Would I want to play him this week? No. That's why he's wide receiver 46. It's not somebody I want to play. But it's all, again, it's going to come down to your roster construction. It's going to come down to your lineups. What can you get? What do you have available to you? Is there a world where Antonio Brown walks in and gets double-digit targets. Yeah, and we saw it happen with Tom Brady and the Patriots. Now, the difference between, and I want to get into this because a lot of people keep throwing that example out there, but they don't seem to back it up with context. When the Patriots had Antonio Brown for that one week and he was targeted double-digit times after only being out there in one week with Tom Brady, that's what everybody kind of keeps going back to, they had no one out there. Josh Gordon was hurt. Julian Edelman was hurt. There was no other receiver to go to. That was why Tom Brady needed Antonio Brown so badly. So add the context to what happened that week. I don't believe he's going to come out and play 80% of the snaps. I think he will be limited. So I don't want to play Antonio Brown if I can help it. But the weird thing is, because it's Antonio Brown, because it's Tampa Bay's offense and the way they've been playing as of late, 
way Tom Brady especially has been playing as of late, he does enter the conversation of a possible option depending on what you're looking at. But we haven't wide receiver 46, so there should be better options out there for you. I'd rather play Christian Kirk than Antonio Brown this week, for instance. Rob Gronkowski comes in tight end two for us. I believe he was tight end two for us last week. He continues to be tight end two for us this week. He's just he's been very consistent. He's a guy who's getting he's on a touchdown streak right now. He's playing more and more. He's playing a lot. I can't believe how much Rob Gronkowski is playing. I don't think I ever expected Rob Gronkowski at any point. And I know I know the OJ Howard, you know, injury definitely plays into this and why it's happening now, but I don't think I ever expected him to play 90% of the snaps this season at any point. That's what's happening right now. He's back to being like out in the field of Rob Gronkowski. Now, is he the explosive Rob Gronkowski from a few years ago? No, but he's a heck of a player right now. If you picked him up and we're going through the streaming tight end situation, I think you have a top five tight end in your hands the rest of the season, without a doubt. So we're playing Rob Gronkowski as our tight end too. Let's talk about the Monday night game. Let's talk about the Monday night game. Let's talk about this snoozer fest. Let's talk about this brutalness. This ugliness. Oh, I am getting a little bit of an update, though. First, hold on. Randall Cobb returned to practice after missing Wednesday with a non-COVID-related illness. Just wanted to make that clear to you guys. Uh, So Randall Cobb will be back in the mix. And it wasn't COVID that he missed in the first place. That's always important to note right now because Houston has been dealing with some of their own COVID issues along with, it seems like, half the league at this point anyway. All right, so now let's go back. Let's Unfortunately, let's talk about this Monday night game. I can't... Okay, so... Before we actually talk about this Monday night, let me go on a little bit of a tangent here just to get this off my chest. Why can the NFL not flex out Monday night games? Who wants to watch the Patriots and the Jets on Monday night football? Even if you're a Patriot fan, even if you're a Jet fan, you have to admit they have no business being on Monday night. None. It's terrible. I'm tired of these Thursday night games and these Monday night games just being awful matchups. That seemingly, for whatever reason, whoever does the scheduling, however they have it set up, whatever the policy is, they won't flex them out. They'll flex out games on Sundays. They'll flex out a Sunday night game from time to time, but they won't do it when it's a Monday or a Thursday. Now, Thursday, I kind of get to some degree because there's a whole issue there with you know days in between teams playing. You want to be prepared for that you know beforehand. So I get Thursday to some degree. But Monday night, that shouldn't be a difficult thing. It's just it's something I had to get off my chest. But let's actually get into the fantasy analysis of it. Cam Newton, are you a streaming quarterback against New York Jets? The answer to that is yes. Do I feel great about it? No. Is there a high ceiling? Not necessarily. But do I believe Cam Newton will have a good opportunity to be able to get his rushing touchdown, which is basically what you're counting on when you're playing Cam Newton for his fantasy value? The answer to that question is 100% yes there's a great chance that he can get a rushing touchdown and have good rushing numbers against the Jets this week. Now, wide receiver-wise, because we'll get to the running backs in a second. Wide receiver-wise, I'm not looking to play anyone. If you're in a really deep league and you're in a PPR league and you're just trying to find an option out there who, who might be involved... Jacoby Myers is that guy. He had double-digit targets last week. He's playing more of the slot role. We thought maybe it would be Demir Bird would be the number one target because he's actually been out there on the field with no Julian Edelman, no Nikhil Harry. But it's actually been Jacoby Myers. Now, there is some chance, from what I understand, that Nikhil Harry could suit up in this game. But he hasn't been good. He He hasn't been targeted a lot. And I do understand that if Nikhil Harry comes out there, I think the 
overall narrative, the overall idea would be that he would be the number one targeted wide receiver. I don't actually think that would be the case because of the role that he would be playing versus the role of a uh, Jacoby Myers, who's been playing more in the slot. So I think Myers is actually going to be that security blanket. He's going to be what we hoped Julian Edelman would be this season. No, so I, I'm just saying that he's not our top 36. He's not a guy who I want to consider in flex situations. He's not a guy that if you're on 10, 12 team leagues that I'm trying to throw out there at any, at any point. I'm just making the point that if you're in a deep league and you're in a PPR league specifically, he is an option that you can kind of look at because of the role that he's been playing and what the circumstances are of this passing game right now for the Patriots. I do think that their offense will at least be able to be efficient because one, it's the New York Jets. Their offense isn't going to be able to put any pressure on the Patriots defense. So this game will never get out of hand. Therefore, the Patriots will be able to do what they really need and want to do to win games, which is use Cam's legs and use the running game. So that segues us into the running backs. Damian Harris, we have at RB34. There is an upside ceiling to Damian Harris. Again, talking about the game script, what we expect them to be able to do, because they should be able to run, because they should be able to stick with that philosophy, one, that leans towards Damian Harris, because when they run the ball a lot, he is the main runner. But two, with it being the Jets, and I know that they're not bad against running backs, but they have let up a lot of big runs so far this season. And being that they have Cam Newton, I think that will open up some extra holes that normally wouldn't be there with other teams necessarily. There is an upside to Damian Harris. Him getting 100 yards and a touchdown again this week like he did last week is very much in the cards. So while we have him at RB34, that's a reflection of the fact that he also has a low floor. Because would we be surprised if all of a sudden we saw 8 to 10 targets out of James White? Or would we be surprised if the New, York, if the New England Patriots decided to screw us all over in the fantasy industry and say, you know what, we're going to play Rex Burkhead a bunch of times tonight. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Now, that wouldn't be a surprise. We all know this with the Patriots. That's why Damon Harris comes out of 34, because that has to be a factor when you're looking at what his floor could potentially be. But this is a game script that should set up in favor of a Damian Harris this week, just from a logical standpoint. That hasn't always come to fruition when trying to examine the running backfield of New England Patriots, but that's where it should be. That's what it could be this week. So I'm more confident than not to take the chance on playing a Damian Harris if he's somebody that I need an option for and playing him as a RB3, a flex play, or my fill-in RB2, depending on what your roster situation is. So Cam Newton, Damian Harris, I'm okay playing them. I don't want to have to play anybody else on the, on the Patriots. The Jets side of things, uh, James Crowder, he is limited. There's actually some hope that he's going to be able to go. 
We know that if he goes, he's looking at double-digit targets. So he's looking at nothing else, a high floor. We have met wide receiver 34 on the week. You know, there's, there's some, some concerns. When you're coming off an injury after a couple of weeks, you know, you want to see, like, are you going to get out there? There's going to be some concern. Or are you going to be able to make it through the entire game? Are you going to re-aggravate the injury? Stuff like that. But if Crowder's out there, I feel pretty good about playing him as a high-end wide receiver three in that situation. Because, like I said, again, he's going to see double-digit targets. We don't know if Perryman's going to play. Denzel Mims is still a rookie. And this offense wants to go around the slot wide receiver. James Crowder is the best wide receiver that they have, no, no doubt about it. And whether or not Stephon Gilmore plays for the Patriots on the other side, he doesn't normally shadow in the slot. So James Crowder should be away from Gilmore. You shouldn't have to worry about that. He should have a favorable matchup. You can definitely torch a slot right now against the New England Patriots. Now, I know there's going to be this whole factor of, well, Bill Belichick has the history of selecting whoever your top pass catcher is and building up a game plan to take him away. And that, that much is true. But because they're going to have to force the issue to James Crowder, because that's what this team does, I still think if you're going to give him double-digit targets, when you're talking about half-point, full-point PPR leagues, he's still going to have a high floor. Belichick, no Belichick. Stephon Gilmore, no Stephon Gilmore. Outside of that, again, when it comes to the Jets, I'm not playing anybody who's not named James Crowder. Period. So what we're going to do now, we're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side. I have a few extra mailbag questions we actually have a full segment worth of mailbag questions that we're going to talk about the cap off the show. So make sure you guys stay tuned, and we'll be right back with you right after this. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And we are back, MD Nation. Of course, you're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN, presented to you by Belly Up Sports. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We've been talking about, we talked about the Thursday night recap in the beginning of the show. We talked about the injury updates from last or yesterday's episode that you can go ahead and check out in your favorite streaming app. We talked about all the games, all the late window games for the Sunday afternoon, for Sunday night, for Monday night, and all those injury updates and our fantasy expectations there. And now it is time for you guys. It's for you, the fans. This is for MD Nation. This is for the mailbag segment. You guys, all you have to do to ever get your question possibly picked to be on the mailbag segment is to hit us up on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow on Twitter on Facebook and ask us a fantasy football question, make a comment. You can even go off on a rant. We'll talk about that too. And even if you don't get picked to be put on the show, we will definitely answer you back. We will always be here to help you guys at MD Nation become winners in your fantasy football leagues every step of the way. So now it's time for the mailbag section. We have Alex, first up, asks Mike Williams or DJ Chark. So we do have DJ Chark ranked ahead of Mike Williams this week. Not by a lot. Uh, we have, I believe we have Chark in the 33-34 range. I don't have it uh, in front of me right at this moment, but he is in that uh, wide receiver three territory. While we have Mike Williams that we just talked about is wide receiver 38. <laughs> Look, it's close. Like I said, again, when it comes to Mike Williams, we only have one game of proof that he can be involved alongside a healthy Keenan Allen. Just one game. I know there's a lot that we have to unpack with the DJ Chark side of things that we talked about, and that we talked about that game yesterday's show. Jake Luton, six-round rookie quarterback coming in. It's a great matchup against Houston. That's the only thing that really gives us any confidence that DJ Chark can actually be a wide receiver three for this game. It definitely has a low floor possibility given the quarterback situation. On one hand, 
Jacksonville went into the bye pretty much knowing that Jake Luton was going to be the quarterback. So there is a little bit extra preparation than, let's say, what we saw out of Ben DiNucci, which is immediately what you think of when you think sixth-round rookie quarterback coming in in a spot start in the middle of the season for a injured starting quarterback. Although in the Jaguars' case, it kind of sounded like they wanted to move on from Gardner Minshew either way. Because they keep, you know, Marone's already talked about how when Minshew is healthy, he's, he still hasn't said that, it's, that he'll definitely get his job back. He's kind of put that out there in the open now. So whether it was the injury or just Doug Marone, I don't know if we're going to see Gardner Minshew. I don't know if he's going to play this week regardless. With Jake Luton, there obviously, like I said, there becomes a lot of variables as far as Chark having a low floor. But because it's the Houston Texans, and because it is a rookie quarterback, Chark should be the number one target. He should be the first read. It's not going to be Chenault. It's not going to be Keelan Allen or Keelan Cole, excuse me. It's going to be DJ Chark. And I know he's been disappointing to this point. And the target share with Minshew was kind of inconsistent at best. But against Houston, a game which Jacksonville is going to have to throw the ball at least a lot in the second half, if nothing else. If he can't do it this week, if you can't play him this week, I don't know if you can play him again the rest of the season. And not that to say that should be a reason why you definitely star him over, let's say, a Mike Williams against the Raiders. But I expect there to be a game plan coming out of the bye for a DJ Chark. I expect there to be a game plan that's going to be featured around him in the passing game and making things simple as possible for a six-round rookie quarterback. And that means going to his first read often. So I think there's a floor for Chark here where Mike Williams, again, it's a question of are you are you going to do what you did last week or are we going to go back to Williams gets three to four targets because Keenan Allen's getting 15. And I think that is a more likely scenario than Chark not being involved in this offensive game plan against Houston in a game in which they're going to have to come back from behind that should have garbage points available to them. So we would lean toward DJ Chark over Mike Williams this week. Buzz asked us, uh, Marvin Jones or Brandon Ayuk rest of season? Brandon Ayuk. I don't, this shouldn't really be too much of a question. It's not like Kenny Galladay's out for the entire year, first and foremost. Uh, so we he might even be back as soon as next week. We're, we're not we're not sure about that yet, but he could be back sooner rather than later. Uh, Marvin Jones hasn't even been that great when Kenny Galladay's been out. So I don't know what kind of value you think. I know last two weeks, all of a sudden you had you have Jones now who had five catches, eighty yards two weeks ago. Last week he had two touchdowns, but he still only had three catches for thirty nine yards, I believe. That's it, and that was with seven targets. That was with Kenny Galladay missing most of that game. And that's kind of been the case throughout this entire process. Even when Kenny Galladay was out in the beginning of the year, Marvin Jones had the targets. I mean, that's why he's wide receiver 25. We talked When we talked about this game, we talked about him being an option because the opportunities are still going to be there in a plus match against Minnesota. But when you're talking about Marvin Jones, you're, the only thing you're talking about him as far as his fantasy value goes is from a one-week standpoint, from this week. Outside of that, I don't know what you expect out of Marvin Jones moving forward. It's not like he's been great even with Kenny Galladay on the field. It's just, it's not his year. Brandon Ayuk, however, I know he had a miss last night's game, but for the rest of the season, you have a banged up Debo Samuel. You have a team that's flailing. And they're going to have to use Ayuk, I believe, a lot. And I think he's somebody who's going to be in the wide receiver three conversation more times than not when he's able to go because of, you know, and he's not out because of stupid high close contact uh, COVID protocols. 
he's going to be good to go. He's, he's developing. He's been getting more involved and consistently in that offense. They're going to have some matchups that they're going to be able to utilize. So Brandon Ayuk definitely has more rest of season value if you're debating on who to pick up there. Let's go to Hodges. Hodges asked me, Damian Harris or Marvin Jones in the flex this week? That's a very interesting question. It's a very interesting question. It, there's a simple answer to it, which is if Matthew Stafford does not play, then 100% you're going to Damian Harris. If Matt, let's, let's assume for a second Stafford does play because that's where this question gets a little bit closer, a little bit more interesting. I think it depends on what you need. Do you need a pop? Or do you just need a high floor out of your flex this week? I think and that's going to depend on your matchup, your roster construction, and all that. If you need a high floor, I would definitely lean towards Damian Harris because I think, like I said, when we're breaking down that game, logically speaking, it's a game script that should favor Harris as the main running back. It should. So I think he has a higher floor than a Marvin Jones who could, if he doesn't score a touchdown, could easily wind up with three catches for 30 yards on eight to 10 targets and leave you completely screwed. That is definitely in the variable range here. But there's also the other side, which is what we saw last week. It's the fact that they're playing the Minnesota Vikings. If Stafford's in there and they have to throw the ball to catch up in the second half, which Detroit tends to have to do, no matter who they're playing, there is, a, there is a scenario where Jones could get 100 yards and multiple touchdown game with no Kenny Galladay because he's in a favorable matchup and he should be getting the opportunities. And from watching the film, and this was the most important thing. I went back, I watched this film this week because I knew Marvin Jones was going to be a huge question given the variables. And I'm watching him specifically. I'm watching where his athletic ability is. He doesn't really look like he's lost a step. He's athletically healthy, physically, he looks fine. They're just not targeting him as much. He's just not he's not getting as open as normally, but he doesn't look like he's lost too much of a step to me. So that gives me some confidence that against the Minnesota Vikings, there's at least a chance to get that upside Marvin Jones game where he gets that three touchdown performance and hundred yards. It's in the realm of possibility. So if you need a pop, I would go with Marvin Jones. But if you're just needing a low floor or a high floor, I should say then I would go Damien Harris. And then again, like I said, if Stafford doesn't play, then you're definitely going Harris no matter what it is that you need. Let's go into Simpson. Ask me, trade Zeke for Miles Sanders and J.K. Dobbins. Simpson, I'm going to say this to you very clearly and concisely. If you are being offered that deal right now, pull the trigger. Now, I can't imagine that you are right now, especially with the injury news about Zeke and whether or not he's even going to play this week. But let's assume that he does play. It's been horrendous for Dallas so far. It's been horrendous for Zeke so far. He has now entered the conversation where we might have to consider him an RB2 for the rest of the season and not just a low-end RB1. He might be an RB2 now. He has a bye week next week. Miles Sanders, I know he doesn't play this week, but if you can get J.K. Dobbins, then you're fine at running back because Mark Ingram's not going to play. We expect Dobbins to be an RB2. And frankly, we only have him four spots below Ezekiel Elliott heading into this week. When Miles Sanders comes back, the Philadelphia Eagles are going to have to lean on him. He'll have a high floor every single week. We know what Miles Sanders will bring to the table as long as he's healthy. So if somebody is offering you that deal right now, or if somebody's willing to take that deal right now, pull the trigger. Ezekiel Elliott for Miles Sanders and J.K. Dobbins, there's no question here. Pull the trigger right now. And it's an unfortunate statement as far as where we are at with Ezekiel Elliott and the Dallas Cowboys, but that is a trade you have to make. Zeke, you, you, don't, you don't have to just hold on to Zeke no matter what anymore. Livy, 
Should I trade Mike Evans for Le'Veon and Stephon Diggs? Or should I trade Mike Evans and Le'Veon for Stephon Diggs? That makes a little bit more sense. I was going to say, who in the world would give you Bell and Stephon Diggs for Mike Evans right now? Okay, so that makes a little, little bit more sense. Mike Evans and Le'Veon Bell for Stephon Diggs. My answer to that question is unequivocally yes. Again, if somebody's willing to give you that deal, or if someone's proposing that deal to you, you're doing that. You're doing that trade. We talked about Antonio Brown. Look for this week. Do I expect Mike Evans to play ahead? Do I expect Mike Evans to have a better fantasy week? Yes, that's our. That's in our expectations. That's how we have that ranked. For the rest of the season, though, I worry about Mike Evans being the odd man out. We've talked about this in the past. With the addition of Antonio Brown, what his role will be compared to Chris Godwin's role in this offense, where Tom Brady's at in his career, and the fact that he hasn't really seemed to be able to get on the same page as Mike Evans even before adding Antonio Brown into this mix, on at least not on a consistent basis, and especially not when Chris Godwin's been out there, Mike Evans might wind up being the odd man out here. There's a very real chance that's going to wind up happening. And even if he doesn't, He's only been a wide receiver three, even with Godwin not playing for the most part, even being what should be the surefire wide receiver one. He's only been a wide receiver three on a week-to-week basis. Stephon Diggs, on the other hand, while Josh Allen has been slipping back into bad habits, while their offense has suddenly sputtered a little bit, especially in the passing game as of late, Stephon Diggs has still had a high floor because he's still seeing double-digit targets on a consistent basis no matter what is going on in the offense. He had double-digit targets in a game where Josh Allen only threw the ball 18 times. Stephon Diggs is one of the safest wide receivers right now, and that's crazy to think because this is a guy who, for the most part in his career, was kind of like a Tyreek Hill where he might win you the week on his own, but he wasn't a guy that you expected consistent work out of every single week. You can expect that now because the target's all going to him especially this week against Seattle, but obviously when you're doing these trades, you're thinking about it from the rest of the season standpoint. Stephon Diggs very well could finish as a top six wide receiver. That's in the cards. Definitely a top 10. Mike Evans can't do that. And when you factor in the whole Le'Veon Bell thing to this, yes, it looks like he is, in fact, what we expected, or at least what I expected here on this show, that he would be on a almost 50% split with CEH. That is the case so far. But with Le'Veon Bell, we haven't seen the Chiefs actually utilize these running backs. Where all of a sudden, you know, we're worried about CEH and what he is even going to be able to bring to the table in the week. Because if they're splitting time and the Chiefs decide that they're not going to just, you know, they're not going to let the running backs be involved at all anyway, like they did with the Jets game, we're just like, yeah, we're going all passing with Patrick Mahomes and our weapons there. We're not even going to involve the running backs. There will be definitely better days ahead than what happened last week. But the best Le'Veon Bell can be is a week-to-week RB3. And even that, he'll have a low floor on. Even that, we will probably be inconsistent, given the, the situation there, unless unless Alaire was to get hurt. So if I give up a guy who is, at best, an RB3 the rest of the way, more like an RB4, a wide receiver 3, and you're going to give me a bona fide wide receiver 1 every single week? Yeah, that shouldn't be a question. We are definitely pulling the trigger on that trade. Mike Evans, Le'Veon Bell for a Stephon Diggs. Getting some alerts here. Just a little quick update. A.J. Brown, who didn't practice on Thursday, 
is back at practice in full on Friday. That is something we've come to see with A.J. Brown. It seems like every single week he is going to just get Thursday off to maintain uh, you know, the knee status and everything. But they, they give their guys off on Thursdays rather than Wednesdays. Titans just do things a little bit differently. So every last three weeks in a row that's been the case. Now A.J. Brown not practicing on Thursday is not a big deal. He's back at practice today just to kind of be able to confirm that uh, Jimmy Garoppolo will be reevaluated in four to six weeks. We don't expect him to be back. Uh, Kyle Shanahan did come out today and say that Nick Mullins is firmly the starting quarterback. So, again, that goes back to the fantasy analysis that we talked about earlier in the show. If Nick Mullins is starting quarterback, and we're, you know, we don't have a Raheem Mostert yet, we don't have a Tevin Coleman yet, Jarek McKinnon will continue to be the lead guy over Jermichael Hasty, like we saw last night. That has been the case. Since Nick Mullins took over Jimmy Garoppolo going back to the game on Sunday... It's been Jarek McKinnon paired up with Nick Mullins. So that will continue as long as Nick Mullins is a starting quarterback. That was why I said that I thought Jarek McKinnon was going to be the lead back over to Michael Hasty going into the game yesterday. And I was the only one saying that because I recognize that those two seem to be a paired thing for whatever reason. But that seems to be the situation. So that kind of confirms that. We've got a lot of news for the 49ers actually coming out. And good thing because this show is just about to end. Raheem Mostert and Debo Samuel... Kyle Shanahan says, have a chance to return next week against the Saints. So, you may have Moser back next week. We may have Debo back next week. Now, Debo, I don't think is somebody that I'm going to be encouraging guys to play. Of course, this is next week, so we'll go over the rankings then, and then I'll have a better idea for you guys. But off the top of my head, probably not. But Raheem Moser will come back and being a high-end RB, too, uh, just because he's been so good when he's been out there, so explosive, you know, your hope is that he doesn't get another injury, but if he's out there against the Saints next week, he'll be a high end RB2 and a possibility that you guys might finally get some running back help coming back. Now, it's a shame because if he does come back next week, he'll have to go on by again week 11, but we'll play that out as it goes uh, a week from now. And Matt Roll is anticipating that Christian McCaffrey will be activated either today or tomorrow just to kind of confirm that we expect Christian McCaffrey to finally return to the NFL uh, this Sunday. So a lot of little news updates right before at the end of this show, and that is going to close out this show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. I hope you guys feel prepared, ready to go for your Week 9 matchups. Of course, make sure you're following us along all throughout the weekend at Show on Twitter and on Facebook. We'll keep you up to date with everything going on. Make sure you're checking out BellyUpFantasySports.com. We'll have those rankings updated for you guys uh, at least by Sunday morning, but most likely uh, late Saturday night is usually when we I have them updated for you guys. Make sure you're prepared for your lineups heading into a very pivotal Week 9 for a lot of people out there trying to make the playoffs. Make sure you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. A lot of great content on an Android app, or if you have iOS, check it out on WWSRN. You can always stream this show from your favorite streaming app, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, wherever you like to go. We are available to you as the Belly Up Sports' MD's Fantasy Football Show. Just look us up there. Everyone stay safe, stay healthy, stay happy. You can go back to watching the election now. Thank you for taking some time out to watch this show and take a little bit of a break with us. We'll be back on Monday on your favorite streaming app with the Sunday recap show, as we always do. And we'll be back next week, same time, same place, 12 o'clock to 1.30, here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network on Thursday and Friday. So we'll see you guys again then. Everyone, stay happy, stay safe, and have fun on Sunday.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. 